You're listening to episode number 42 of the Body You Crave podcast, the one where we talk about exercise and how to get your fit together. I'm master at life and weight loss coach Jillian Lama, and you're listening to the Body You Crave podcast, where you'll learn how to end emotional eating, lose excess weight, and feel amazing in your body. No cheating required. Keep listening, and I'll show you how. Hey, hey, welcome back. All right, so today we are talking about exercise. And this is one of the things that I don't talk about often because when it comes to weight loss and losing body fat, exercise is not how you're gonna get the weight off. And for a long time, I spent a lot of years in the over-exercising camp and I really relied on exercise to help me lose weight. And it didn't work. But it was so hard to let go of this thought process that I just needed to eat less and exercise more. Because that whole philosophy, that whole concept is really drilled into our brains. Whether it's counting points, counting macros, counting calories. This whole idea of I just have to eat less and move more. And I spent such a long time where I was at war with my body and I couldn't do it. And so I want to take today to really talk about exercise and to talk about what I teach now as movement and what counts, what doesn't count, and to talk about both ends of the spectrum. Because you might fall into the over-exercising camp and an over-reliance on exercise to try to lose weight. And then you might also fall into the opposite side of the spectrum where you feel like it's hard to get going or hard to get started, or you feel like it's something that will enhance your mood or your life in general, but there's all these other obstacles and quite frankly, good excuses not to. A lot of times this can come up with work or kids or family, having these other people who rely and depend on you. And when the trade-off is I can go to the gym for 30 minutes or I can play with my kids, a lot of times we choose to play with our kids. And it's not that's right or wrong, good or bad. I'm not trying to moralize that decision. I just wanna talk about how we can do both And a lot of times it just takes changing the way that we think about exercise and why we're doing it, really understanding that core motivation. So I'm just going to share a little bit of my own story because I was very obsessive when it came to exercise for a very long time. And starting even in high school, it was this idea of eat less, exercise more. And the more I exercised, then the better, thinner or fitter I was. And so I would come home from soccer practice in high school and go and run an extra six to 10 miles. It depended on the day and how much running I got in at practice. And there was no way I could really know. But if it was a day where we were doing more drills and there wasn't a lot of cardio, I would come home and go running. I'd exercise for nearly two hours every day in college. Even when I was injured, I just found different exercises to do. A lot of times I would exercise when I had a cold or was sick. And it was something that I felt like, again, going back to this whole thought, I really want to lose weight. I really want to feel better about myself. This is what I have to do. So I was very committed, but I just was focusing on the wrong pieces of the puzzle. I kept thinking exercise was going to do it. Exercise was going to do it. I even signed up for a marathon in Russia. That's how much running I did. Literally, my thought was, with this much running, I'm bound to lose weight. Spoiler alert, I didn't. I think I maybe lost a two, three pounds. Not enough to justify months of training and mile after mile. Like, it's ridiculous how much training is involved. I never want to do a marathon again in my life. I am totally happy and satisfied to have done it once as, okay, this was a bucket list thing. But what was really fueling me to even train for the marathon was that thought of, surely I should lose weight if I'm training this much, if I'm running this much. And I didn't. And it's so interesting that you would think that this was a clue that maybe this wasn't working. 
that maybe something was wrong here. But again, when we have this core belief of this is how we do something, this is how we achieve it, we can just put blinders on. And we aren't willing to take an honest look and say, okay, this doesn't seem to be working. Why not? What else could be going on? What else could I be doing or trying? I would start doing two-a-day sessions, especially when I wanted to lose weight. Even if I wasn't overweight, if I had gained weight and maybe was at a better, healthier size, but I just didn't feel confident or comfortable in my body, I would add on extra sessions, extra workouts. I did this in college too. My last year, I had lost weight. But because I didn't quite understand how I lost the weight, I was terrified of gaining it back because it seemed like it kind of came off, but I didn't know what I was doing differently that I hadn't already been doing for the three years prior when I was trying to lose weight and couldn't. It felt very scary and it wasn't safe because I didn't know how I was going to hold on to this. And I kept getting stuck in this thought around it's never good enough. So it's first I want to hit 130 and then it's 125 and then 120 and then 115. It's like where I'm at was never good enough. There was always something else that needed to be achieved or there was another goalpost that I had to hit. And I always kept thinking, I'll feel better about myself then. I'll feel better about my body then. It was always over there. And because I withheld a lot of self-love and praise and, and confidence and these other things that I really wanted to feel, it was like, okay, I've got to keep going. I've got to keep going. And it may have even been something that at the time I didn't even notice that, oh, I would hit 125 and I didn't change my thoughts. And so I didn't feel the way that I wanted to feel about myself. So then I thought, okay, well, I just need to keep losing weight. I just need to lose a little more. And then I'd hit 120 and then it was, okay, well, I'm still not thinking and feeling the way that I want. So I just got to keep losing a little more. And all the while, my body is just trying to find some sense of balance and ultimately some sense of safety. I think that's ultimately what's going on here. We'll get to that in just a minute, though. But I'd run like every day, even while on vacation in Thailand or Barbados, because I was terrified that I would immediately gain weight if I didn't exercise for even a single day. I had a very hard time feelings of anxiety and panic if I didn't exercise for the day to the point where I can remember specific days where I'm like, oh yeah, back in 2014 in Virginia Beach, around this time frame, I remember there was one day where I didn't exercise. Unless I was sick and like completely nauseous and felt miserable, I was going to be exercising. And it was, it got to the point where I was starting to get injured and then I would try and find new ways to exercise. I would get injured again. So again, it was like it was constantly changing, but never really changing that relationship to exercise. And that was a big piece. That was a big driver as to what got me onto this path that I'm on now as a health coach, but also in terms of talking about emotional eating, and the lifestyle changes that I teach and that I implement and do myself. Because I spent so many years being the queen of over-exercising, and yet over half of that time being overweight, living in fear of food, fear of taking a day off, and ultimately hating my body. And so exercise over the years became this form of punishment. It was punishment for the number on the scale, punishment for what I ate the day before. And even though there were days where I did genuinely enjoy exercising and I did enjoy running, there were many days where I didn't want to and I didn't feel like it and I would force myself to anyways. And a lot of that force didn't come from commitment. It came from punishment. It came from a very punitive conversation and self-loathing that was going on in my head. So I would tell a lot of people like, oh, I just to run. I just like to work out. And so it it was something that I felt kind of self-conscious about. And I tried to play it off as I just like to be healthy. I just enjoy these things. And for the most part, that was true. But there was a very real obsession and inability to take a day off because I was always trying to lose the weight and then always trying to maintain it. And it was just this constant cycle, this constant battle. And that's what I, I think of when I think about diet hell is it does not matter whether we 
are trying to lose the weight or simply maintain it, but we still maintain that nightmarish thought process and fear and anxiety around what we can and can't eat or how often and how much we have to exercise and what all these things have to look like. Underneath it all was just a desire to feel better around myself, a desire to love myself, a desire to be happy with who I was and how my body looked. I started out doing it for the reasons why we all typically will want to lose weight. It's once I've lost the weight, After that happens, then I can feel better about myself. Then I can have the life that I really want. Then I get to feel good, pretty, confident, proud, successful, whatever it is. We'll get to feel that, but it's over there. That's my big thing now is helping women and men both to feel the way that they want to feel without having to accomplish the body first and recognize that we can be in the process of changing our bodies, but we can also start to love ourselves now. We can start to feel confident and proud and happy and successful now. We get to feel the way that we want to feel and we don't have to make it dependent on having to achieve or earn some kind of result. Because that's really what it comes down to is that often as a child, we just learned that, oh, this is how I'm loved, to look this way or to not look that way. And we just pick these things up as very young kids, five, six, seven years old. From a very early age, we are just little sponges absorbing everything around us. And we're learning right and wrong, good and bad. This is how we're loved or accepted or part of the community. This is how we prove or show that we're doing enough. As we're trying to make sense of the world, it's a very naive perspective. And we're just learning this means that. This is good. This is bad. We start to take that with us now through adulthood. So we really have to understand our thoughts about our bodies, our thoughts about our roles in the world, our thoughts about careers, feeling good enough. Things like perfectionism and people-pleasing stem from a lot of thoughts and things that happened in those early years. And again, it doesn't have to be bad or wrong. We just want to look at what is serving us today because these kinds of thoughts, this fear and anxiety around exercise did not serve me. At the time, I felt like I was very trapped. And so that's why I teach we can move our bodies in a way that feels good, in a way that we enjoy and supports and nourishes our mind, body, and soul. And it doesn't have to detract from that. But the eat less, exercise more mantra has just been so ingrained and it can feel like a hard thing to break when it's something that you've told yourself over and over again as this is the way. And so I'd really challenge you to look at all of the evidence as to how maybe that's not the way. Why that hasn't worked for you in the past, not from a you problem. This is not a time to go curl up in your shame shawl. This is a time to look at the process and say, this process didn't work. And it's not about me. It's not that I wasn't good enough. It's not that I didn't have enough commitment or determination. It's not a me problem. It's a process problem. And when we start to understand that, we can start to now assess the process and see how this didn't create the results that we wanted. Or maybe in our younger days, maybe it did work. Maybe you could just exercise and go to the gym and that was how you could lose weight. And now you're at a point in your life where that just doesn't seem to be working. That's okay. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just means that process isn't going to work for you right now. So let's find something else that does. Let's figure out what's going to work for you and your body and ultimately your lifestyle. Because if this is not something that you can do for the rest of your life without hating your life, it's never going to stick. And you will always be in this constant gaining and losing the same weight over and over again, constantly feeling like shit because you are never able to keep it off and feel good about yourself. I've been there from the over-exercising perspective. That's something that I've really had to work on. And it took 17 years of doing all of this work in vain, 17 years of using exercise as punishment instead of as a tool. 
for me, it took some time. And I want to talk a little bit about why this is the case, because it's hard when somebody else is just like, well, that's not how it works, because it goes against that core belief of, of course, it has to work. This is what everybody says. This is what everybody teaches. So I'm going to talk a little bit about why it doesn't actually work this way. And then we're going to go back into our thoughts and our mindset around exercise to begin with, because that's what is really important here is that we have a healthy relationship with exercise, which means we have healthy thoughts about it. It's not punishment. It's not how you make penance for what you ate. This is not something that you have to force yourself into doing something that you find miserable. It's really looking at how do we move our bodies in a way that feels good and comfortable and easy for us now? And how do we start to get better and better then each day? And how can I make sure that I am fit and healthy enough to be able to do these things that I want to do in life, to be able to play with Caleb out at a park or to be able to hike the tallest peak in the Western Hemisphere or whatever comes my way. I want to know that I am healthy and fit enough to do some of these things. All right. So despite all of the propaganda that we've been sold, exercise alone is the slowest way to burn body fat. And that's because 75% of the way that you look, your body composition, 75% of that comes from what you eat. It's going to be less than 5% that actually comes from exercise. So you have the food that you consume and then looking at things like sleep, water, hormone regulation. Exercise is just one of those other small pieces. We cannot outtrain our nutrition. Let's say it takes me 30 minutes to burn 300 calories, like on a good day. It could take me three minutes to eat 300 calories, right? If we just looked at the energy output and input of it, I can consume way faster than I can actually burn things off in the gym. And exercise is really good for us, like mentally, emotionally. It helps with health conditions like preventing type 2 diabetes or reducing blood pressure levels. It can help you to reduce stress and increase endorphins, which, as we know from Elle and Legally Blonde, endorphins make us happy and happy people don't kill their husbands. So it's a win-win. So exercise does have its place, but it's not the best tool for weight loss. What we really need to be focusing on is, number one, what are we eating and why are we eating? Am I eating when I'm hungry and stopping at satisfied or am I eating outside of those parameters? And then looking at how can I just move my body more? That's what we want. And so the problem when we hyper-focus on exercise goes back to episode 12 in Hunger Games, why calories in, calories out doesn't work. Because over the last 100 plus years, research has shown that your base metabolic rate decreases as energy input decreases. So the whole idea that my body's going to burn 2,000 calories, but I only have to feed it 1,200, and now it's just magically going to stay there and I'm going to be in this deficit forever and ever, and then it'll even out and I'll be fine. Is That's not how it works. Our base metabolic rate, this makes up just our body staying alive. So this is your blood pumping, your heart beating. This is your brain and all the cognitive thinking that it's doing. It comes from your lungs breathing. All of the general basic bodily functions, that's your base metabolic rate. So it's what you need in order to just maintain survival without doing any movement. And that accounts for about 80% of total energy expenditure. It's a big chunk. Exercise accounts for maybe 5%. And so as we are drastically cutting and reducing how much our bodies take in with food, when we cut calories and we cut fat, especially when we do these big drastic cuts, our base metabolism starts to fall and it decreases. So now if we're only going to feed at 1,200, it's like a thermostat. It's going to regulate the temperature and it's only going to burn 1,200. This is why a lot of times people will hit plateaus or they gain weight back and then some because their body, their, the metabolism just hasn't reset yet. 
it's decreased and then it hasn't had time to catch up with the increased food consumption. So that's why this typically happens. And it's interesting, right? Because this isn't the marketing that we're fed on a daily basis about health and fitness and what this means. But there's a lot of survival mechanisms that go off in your body as well. Again, like that's your body's way of trying to keep you alive, of thinking, oh, crap, there's a famine. I need to protect her or I need to protect him because all the things that are going on outside in the world, we're not sure where our next meal is going to come from. So we're going to decrease energy expenditure so that we don't die. It's the whole survival mechanism at play. Your body thinks that you may be starving and so it wants to keep you alive. It's going to hang on to stored fat and water for future energy needs. And then not only will your body internally decrease that, but it's also going to slow you down in other ways. Like after you work out, for example, you're not going to feel as energized outside of the gym. So you might feel like you need a nap. You need to lie down. You sit down more than you stand. Maybe you take the elevator instead of the stairs, right? So we are not moving more in our day-to-day life because of the extra energy expenditure and often than the restriction with calories or fat or some combination thereof. This is exactly what my body went through as well. And these are just other compensatory behaviors that come out as our body tries to adjust and to balance and and bring you back into equilibrium in terms of what's going on. The other thing with exercise, too, is that there is an upper limit to total energy expenditure. Researchers have found that energy expenditure will plateau. It doesn't just have this limitless potential where it just keeps going up and up, there comes a point where we can continue to exercise and move and we don't burn any more calories. Our body just has plateaued and it goes back to self-preservation of I need to store, I need to hang on. So what we want to do is just bring some peace and safety back to your body and back to your brain. A lot of times that's all that's going on is your body is trying to keep you safe. Your brain is trying to keep you safe. And so it wants to increase pleasure and decrease pain via the path of least resistance. And so this is very normal that this is how our brains work and how they operate. So we just want to understand and start to work with our bodies now and not constantly trying to fight against it. We want to really step into what is the lifestyle that we want to have. And this is where we really get to dig into and understand what are our thoughts about exercise? What are our thoughts about ourselves and our bodies at the current weight that we're at? at the future weight that we want, why over there is going to be so much better for some reason, and really starting to question that and understand that we may like some of our reasons. We may like some of the motivation that we have for moving and exercising. I go for walks now just about every day. I still try to lift twice a week. But when it comes to the walking, my lower back after having Caleb, I had so much back labor that my lower back feels so much better when I move it. When I'm walking daily, And when I am able to lift twice a week, I've just noticed that the weight training really helps with it. The core strengthening work, I started implementing yoga again. I'm trying to start that up again twice a week. And but even just with the daily walks, I feel such a huge difference. I like that motivation for exercise. I know I'm going to feel better. I know my lower back is going to be in such better shape and my core as a whole is going to feel so much better when I do this. So it's not punishment anymore. It's not trying to make up for what I used to or for what I ate yesterday or what I ate this morning or because I was bad and I ate too early or ate too many calories or whatever it was. I like my reasons for why I'm moving. That's the whole point here is number one, to do movement that you like. What do you love to do? It all counts. It is all exercise. Like it's all good. There are going to be some days where maybe movement for you looks like cleaning the house. 
Other days, it might look like walking the dog. Other days, it might be like a bike ride or a fitness class or something else that you genuinely enjoy and want to do. My sister loves doing CrossFit. I have another friend who loves to power lift. Okay. I don't like lifting heavy. I love me some body pump though. And people are very quick to tell you that doesn't count. That's not real weightlifting. That's not this or that's not that. And you don't have to believe them. That's their thoughts, their opinions. They get to have them and they don't have to impact yours whatsoever. When people try and tell me that body pump isn't real weightlifting, I'm like, yeah, okay. I haven't seen you in a class yet. Like, we'll see when you come join me in class and you can outlift me and you can lift more than me for longer. Yep, we'll see it. It, it doesn't have to be anything negative or anything massive, but we just want to be aware of what other thoughts we've adopted and picked up from other people that we can also give back and we can put down. We don't have to take these thoughts with us everywhere we go. Running is not better than walking. CrossFit is not better than powerlifting. Zumba is not better than kickboxing. There's no right or wrong here. It's just what do you enjoy? And you're going to find that you're going to have some days or some phases of life where you enjoy doing certain things and then you don't enjoy doing other things. And that's okay. It's all about how can we start to get moving in the right direction, right? So what feels fun, what feels energizing, and what feels nourishing? That's what we want to start to think about as we look at implementing more movement to our days. And then the next piece is going to be looking at creating a minimum baseline when you are just getting started. So if you're someone that maybe doesn't exercise regularly, or maybe you did for a while and you've gotten off track and you want to get back into it, then we want to start to create a minimum baseline. So for me, as I'm starting to implement yoga, because I I did it throughout my pregnancy, I felt really good. And I did it two or three times a week. I would say it wasn't every day, but it was pretty regular. And in the past, I rarely did yoga because my thoughts were always like, this doesn't burn enough calories and I don't have time for that. Nope, not for me. It didn't feel energizing. That's okay. Just because some people like it doesn't mean that you have to. But as I'm getting back into stretching and doing things, it takes me about 20 minutes to do them. And I'm starting with twice a week. That to me feels really good. Same thing with body pump. Like twice a week to me feels really good. We've got a busy schedule, got a little guy running a business, got home life. We've got all these other things going on. I still want to make time for this, but I'm not setting a crazy goal of, oh, I have to do this every day. So for you, maybe it looks like just doing once a week. It could be that twice a week, You want to move your body and you're going to do, maybe it's like a yoga workout one day and it's walking the next day. It doesn't have to be the same thing, but you just want to think about what feels really easy, really doable for you. Maybe it's 10 or 15 minutes. And the key here is number one, no comparison and judging yourself. You do not get to compare where you are now to where you were five or 10 years ago or what your neighbor's doing or your sister or your best friend. We don't compare ourselves in our journey to somebody else's. And you stop judging yourself and where you're at now. You just recognize that, hey, this is where I'm at. It's not a problem. I'm just going to start and I'm going to get going. And in six months, in 12 months, I'm going to be so glad that I started today. So that's number one. Number two, you want to decide ahead of time when you're going to do this. So when I would teach body pump, and even when there were classes, but especially when I would teach, it's like, all right, I know I'm going to body pump Tuesday and Thursday nights. So that's my time to do the weights. If I wanted to add on another time, I certainly could, but I got into the routine of this is the planned time, this is the schedule, this is when I go. And there were many days where I didn't feel like going. There were many days where I hoped nobody showed up so that I could just go home. I prefer to exercise more in the morning. And so teaching a night class, it was challenging some nights. And I always felt better when I was done. I was always glad that people showed up and that I got to lift that day and I didn't have to be worrying about when to fit it in later on. 
But just recognize that we may not always want to do this and that doesn't have to be a problem. We can even plan on it, especially when it's a new thing. Like I know at 9 a.m. when I plan to do the yoga, my brain's going to have all these other ideas and excuses and justifications as why I should go and do something else. That's okay. I'm going to plan on not wanting to do it and I'm going to do it anyways. And then I'm going to reward myself afterwards. I'm going to reward myself with praise. Heck yes, Jillian, you did such a great job. Way to go. You are a badass, right? Like I'm going to talk to myself in a way that feels really good. I'm not going to talk to myself full of shame or judging or like you should have done more or I can't believe this is all you did. We change how we start to think about ourselves and we reward ourselves in the moment with that praise and getting the verbal affirmation and, and that positive hit of dopamine that we'll get with that. And then we can also reward ourselves at the end of the week or at the end of a month. Like sticker charts work very well for kids because they can see how far they've come, where they want to go, and there's a reward at the end of the week. There's something positive. There's something motivating and encouraging them. So it's important that we understand why we want to start exercising, that we understand our thoughts about it, and that we just get started and we allow ourselves to enjoy the good mood. We allow ourselves to feel better about our day, to feel better about our life and about how we are thinking about things. But exercise alone is not what's going to get your weight off. What's going to get your weight off is changing the way you think about yourself, changing the way you talk to yourself, to stop being your own worst enemy. That's how you're really going to lose the weight because it's all of these thoughts about feeling overwhelmed and stressed. And if you're not going to do it, who else will? And it's all the pressure that we put on ourselves in these other areas of life that have us now reaching for food when we're not hungry, that have us skipping our exercise and movement, sacrificing our own well-being and self-care at the expense of other people, instead of looking at how do I make this simple, easy, and fit it into my life? So some of you may want to exercise in the morning. You prefer to start your day that way. Some of you are going to prefer to exercise at lunch. Some of you might like to do it at the end of the day or after dinner. A 10-minute walk after a meal really helps with digestion and regulating blood sugar levels. So that's a great thing to do is to be moving your body after a meal. Again, it's not that you have to go and throw 500 pounds up over your head. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. We just want to engage the internal systems and exercise can be a great way to do that, whether it's a walk or yoga or something else. So Think about what do you want to do? What feels fun? What feels light? And not worrying about what other people are going to think of us. I think that's very normal. It's very common to feel that kind of pressure or fear. And we don't have to let it impact us or our journey. We don't have to be afraid when we step foot in the gym of what other people are thinking. They get to think whatever they want. And it doesn't have to change the way that you think about you. But that's the key here is you have got to change that conversation. You can let go of the worry, but you also have to stop shaming yourself, stop judging yourself, stop criticizing yourself, because now you're just going to project that onto everybody else. And of course, it's going to feel 10 times harder to go into the gym or to go into the yoga studio or to do anything around your neighborhood. We just have to get started and give yourself permission to try new things and to not like them. I tried a Zumba class a few years ago, I think 2014. I'm like, where were we living? This is how I can figure out what year it was. (laughs) I hated it. I can do salsa and Zumba music for maybe 15 minutes. I'll give you three tracks. I'm on board. And then I'm done. (laughs) And then I want something else. I want something different. So if it was a whole dance class where some of it was Zumba, I could probably do that. But I just know that's not what I'm into. And it's okay. It's not a problem. So you may not be into walking or running or biking or anything else. That's okay. Find something that you do like, that you do enjoy. And just get started. 
and look for all of the excuses, justifications, and permission-giving thoughts to not do the thing that you said you were going to do. But that thing needs to be scheduled. Think about what makes sense. Where can I put this on my calendar? Where is it going to fit best? What are days where I've got a little bit of flexibility? Don't try and cram it into a day that's already packed full of stuff where you're like, I don't even know when we're going to get dinner, let alone when I'm going to try and exercise. Don't put it into a day like that. Put it into a time where it can fit reasonably well. And give yourself permission to say, okay, that didn't work. What else can I try? We don't have to throw on the towel and just say this is never going to work. We just start to look at, okay, if this didn't work here, where else could I try it? Just like with me, I recognize that if I teach body pump again, which I would like to, it's going to be in the morning though. (laughs) I'm going to teach a morning class. I do not want to teach another night class. That's what feels better for me. And now that things are changing in terms of Caleb and nap schedules and things like that, it's more conducive to the lifestyle that we want to have. So that's what I'm looking at. So give yourself permission to change. You can go through phases and feel free to adjust those phases. It's okay. Movement is good. Movement is one of the pieces that I teach clients and I encourage them to get more of, but it should not become an obsessive habit. It also doesn't need to be this big grandiose thing that feels insurmountable. We can really start with simple, easy steps to get started. And again, this all just boils down to how are you thinking about exercise and And really, how are you thinking about yourself and how to start to change that? If you would like to start to change that conversation, if you some help in changing how you think about exercise and how you think about yourself, your body, your weight loss journey, the number on the scale, then I would love to help. You can visit www.bodyyoucrave.com forward slash schedule and find a day and time on my calendar that works well for you. And we'll spend an hour really digging into where are you now? Where do you want to be in six to 12 months? And then we'll look at what's really getting in your way. What are the obstacles? What are the challenges? And how to break through them. That's the biggest piece is how can we start to break through this and really create the life and the body that we crave? So if you'd like some extra support in that, then I would love to help. I hope y'all have a wonderful week and I will see y'all next time. Happy April. If you like this episode, then you'll love my free virtual workshop five keys to end emotional eating and lose excess weight for life. You'll learn the counterintuitive reason why all your attempts to restrict food over the years has actually led to weight gain and the mental switch you need to flick that'll have you dropping pounds without sacrificing wine, carbs, or the food you love. Get all the details at bodyyoucrave.com.